On the way home, I thought about the day Joe and I met back at Hazelwood Elementary School. It was on a Wednesday, during lunch period. I don't know how or why I remember the day, but I do. The third, fourth, and fifth grade classes had just settled into place along the rows of bench tables. I was different from most of the kids I went to school with, more of a dreamer. So I usually sat at the far end of the room, near the wall, keeping to myself as much as possible. Unfortunately, that day, like so many others, Jimmy Legg had managed to sit across from me. Jimmy was a bully. He had a head full of blonde hair, which he wore combed back as though he were some kind of hoodlum from the 1950s, a Fonzie throwback from Happy Days. Of course, I didn't realize that then. I only came to understand it later. We've been sitting long enough for Jimmy to taunt me, to pick on me because I was snaggletoothed and scrawny. Back then, I thought he was the meanest boy in the world. Today, I realize he may have been a little bit infatuated with me and had acted as boys will when they like a girl. Go away, Jimmy, I said. I don't want you to eat lunch with me. But before he could retort, our principal, Mrs. Gray, called for everyone to be quiet. I looked past the rows of students, each of the girls trying to look more like Madonna than the others, and the boys imitating Michael Jackson's style, to where she stood in front of the food line. Standing next to her, looking sad and scared, was a caramel-skinned boy with a darker mop of hair, bushy around his head, with little ringlets sticking out here and there. He neither smiled nor frowned, but I couldn't help but wonder who he was and what he was doing at our mostly white school. Everyone, Mrs. Gray called out, clapping her hands, waiting for the murmuring to die down completely. She placed her fingertips where a second-hand book bag hung from the boy's shoulder, as if she dared to only half touch him. I raised myself slightly so I could see all of him. He wore a gold tee over a long john shirt and charcoal-colored pants. In one hand, he carried a rumpled brown paper bag, in the other, a piece of paper. Probably his class schedule, I figured. From clear over where I was sitting, I could see it quivering next to his hip. He sure looked funny standing there. No doubt he felt funny, too, as the only black child in a room full of whites. Everyone, Mrs. Gray said again, this is Joe Bradford. His grandmother is the new custodian. She swallowed hard, and her face pinched. She gave us that look that said she was about to make a new rule, one we'd better follow. I want you all to make him feel welcome. No one said a word. They just stared at him and him back at them. Mrs. Gray pushed him forward. Run along and find a seat, she said. I didn't yet know a lot about race relations or lack thereof, but even at eight years of age, I knew that wasn't going to be an easy task. The other kids started putting their lunchboxes and books wherever a space might have been for Joe to sit. He finally made his way to the back of the room, to the seat next to where Jimmy sat across from me. Jimmy turned, put his hand down between where he and his best friend Bart Atkins sat. Seat's taken, he said. I kept on looking at the new boy, this Joe Bradford, wondering what it must feel like to be new in a school, to be a different color from everyone else. 
I also wondered what kind of food he had in his lunch bag. My mama had packed jello in mine, even though I told her a thousand times how much I didn't like it. No matter how many times I told her what I really wanted with my turkey and cheese sandwich was potato chips. She always packed jello. I guess Joe had nowhere else to go. In spite of Jimmy's warning, Joe walked over and sat down there anyway. Next thing I knew, all the boys sitting on that side of the table had gotten up and left, which was fine with me. Joe hung his head, resting it in his free hand, looking about as rejected and alone as anyone I'd ever seen. I looked at the brown bag on the table, still gripped tightly in his other hand. The grand possibility of potato chips somewhere within the recesses of that bag kept me from being shy or silent.